no humanity They fire at our family Our flow will be the remedy Cause water got no enemy Welcome to Out of the Margins. I am your hostess, Manuela Arciniegas, director of the Andrews Family Fund. In this episode, we asked our Movement Partners Youth First Initiative to share their dreams for young people and their communities and their dream for how to transform the youth justice system. Please join me in welcoming our partners, Mishi Faruqi, National Field Director for Youth First Initiative, and Carmen Dougherty, Policy Director at Youth First. Listen to what they share about their dreams for the system and how to make those dreams actually happen. Thank you for joining us. I'm Carmen Darty. I'm the policy director with Youth First Initiative, and I support our state-based campaigns in their policy agenda making, their strategies around how to close youth prisons and invest in community alternatives. I provide um, support for research and data and really just see myself as a thought partner with those leading the campaigns in, in that state. My work is really centered around what I like to say, like where the rubber meets the road. How do we make this happen as far as moving policymakers where they need to be and helping policymakers understand why this is an issue and how do we get to what we're saying is possible, which is prison abolition. I think that some a term is is hard for policymakers to hear, but if you break it down for them to say, if you take money out of X and you look through your budget line, so that's what, what I help them do, help states actually figure out how state budgets flow, and if I don't know, I connect them with our national resources, our national groups who do know, and walk groups through the state campaigns. Oftentimes, the pushback is there is no money, there is no money from policymakers. And my role is to help them understand, of course, there's money if you shut this down and you invest in the right things through various funding streams. So also, a lot of my work is around the research and data, so helping state campaigns develop state reports about the issue and also helping them make recommendations that that are helpful for policymakers to understand in their language. I'm Nishi Faruqi. I'm the National Field Director at Youth First. So my role at Youth First is to manage the relationships with all of our state uh, partners. Right now we're working with nine organizations in nine different states, and so we're helping them launch campaigns and run campaigns to close youth prisons and take the money that's used in incarceration and have that money invested into community. And so the role that I play is really helping those groups on the ground develop their campaigns, develop their campaign strategy, develop what their campaign structure looks like, really help them think through how to actually build power, because the Youth First sort of theory of change really is that people who are most directly impacted really need to be at the center of the work. And one of the things that we do with our state partners is really help them think about how to do really meaningful leadership development, so how to build leadership of young people who've been impacted by the system, family members who've been impacted by the system, community members who've been impacted by youth incarceration, and so what are some of the strategies to do that? And then how do you sort of, after you build power, how do you use that power to move decision makers? And so a lot of the work that we do is helping people kind of do that power analysis and, you know, even kind of doing like a power mapping exercise to kind of lay out like who the campaign targets are and how can we 
what can the campaign do to really move those targets? And so we play the role of thought partners with our state partner campaigns. But the other role that I play is I help connect all of our state campaigns together because there's a lot of power that comes from people sharing strategies across states and sharing lessons learned. Also, it just like makes a huge difference to know that you're part of this larger movement. And because sometimes the work can feel like it's a slog to get decision makers in your states to move on these issues, but it definitely helps when you hear about wins in other places and it, it really helps recharge you and keep you inspired. And so one of the things that I do is create opportunities for each of our state campaigns to connect and learn from each other. So I organize monthly calls with each of our states, all of our states together um, as a time for people to really update each other on what's happening, kind of share successes, share challenges, share successful strategies. In the past, we've done two convenings a year and those convenings have been really so impactful, I think, for everybody who's participated because it really does make a difference to be able to meet people in person and develop those relationships across states. And we have a youth leaders network. So each of the state campaigns nominates four youth leaders from their campaigns to be part of our youth first network. And the young people from the network at the convenings an opportunity for them to meet with each other and to learn what you know young people are doing in other state campaigns. I know that the young people who participated in the national convenings have felt like it's been really great to have that opportunity to meet young, other young people who are working on these issues in other places. So that's something that we've, through the initiative, we've like try to think about what are ways to help each of our state campaigns build their capacity to do this work for the long haul because closing youth prisons, you know, advocating for a new vision of youth justice is a really <laughs> like heavy lift. It's like a long, long-term campaigns. Like these aren't campaigns that you can just like win in a year or two years. So one of the things that we are thinking about you first is what can we do to really help support our state campaigns to build as much sort of capacity and effectiveness as they can to be in this work for the long haul and to, to win. And so through supporting them with you know, their leadership, like the leadership development work that they're doing through helping them think about strategies around media and communications. One of the other things that we're in the process right now of doing is to work in 15 states um, by the time we wrap up. And so, you know, Youth First is a time-limited initiative. So when we initially launched the campaign, the idea was to wrap up in five years. And so I think we might, because of COVID, I think we might be extending it by a year. I think we're going to wrap up in 2021. And and that was an intentional decision to be a time-limited initiative because we really wanted the resources to go to groups that are working on the ground in states. And so even though we're going to go away eventually, the hope is that the work will continue in these states. We're hoping that they'll be, be able to have the, the staying power to do the work. And even after you are able to close a prison and get community investment, it's really important to continue to hold system leaders accountable and you know, to make sure that the changes that you're able to make, that those changes are durable and sustainable. A lot of times system people, they're making decisions on behalf of young people and their families and their communities without ever asking them, what is it that you need to be successful? What is it that actually would have made a difference in your life so that you wouldn't have had contact with the youth justice system? And Youth First has 
helped our state partners do a series of visioning sessions where we actually ask young people that question. The first question we asked is, like, do you know how much it costs to incarcerate a young person in your state? And then they're just shocked because in some states, it's like, you know, $350,000 a year per child. And people just can't even wrap their minds around that, that it's just so crazily expensive to lock up one young person. So we say, if you had that money, how would you spend it? And so people say, would spend it on like housing, I would spend it on tuition, like very concrete things for their, that would make a big difference in their families' lives. But then we ask, like, we, it costs, you know, like $40 million to run this one particular youth prison in your state. Like, how would you spend that for your community? And then people have lots and lots of ideas of how to change the lives of their communities. And they really creative things, like where a young person said, I would have like paintball, paintball, centers or you know like places where kids can play paintball and he's like why paintball he's like well because you know if we're shooting paintballs then we may won't be shooting like real guns you know and so they have very concrete and very expansive ideas of what it would take to like really change the conditions in their communities and everything to promote economic justice social justice racial justice in their communities and so what the hope is as states close youth prisons that they will turn to the people who are actually the experts on this the young people and their families and communities about how that money should be reinvested and that not only ask them but actually include the community members in the reinvestment process the money like shouldn't just be controlled by the local department or the state department of correction it actually should be going to communities to reinvest that money right and so um and so it's really important not only how that money is invested, but who's doing that investment also. So that's one thing that we feel like it's really critical that young people be part of that reinvestment conversation and also in the process of making that reinvestment happen. If we were to take that money away and put it back in the communities where these young people came from, it would be hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars for some communities to really support young people and in, in what they need. Too often we hear about, we hear from young people who are incarcerated to say, I wish I just had this, this, and that. And if that money had been put into communities in the first place, to really set our young people up for success and hope and um, dignity, then most likely they wouldn't be in the system in the first place. So it really is about closing down the brick and mortar and putting it back where young people can thrive the disparities between policing in black and brown communities versus affluent communities is large. That gap is huge. So these young people are feeling like they're watched constantly. So divesting in those sort of surveillance mechanisms, investing in places for gathering, investing in their schools, that's a huge one, right? We all know about the educational disparities. Investing in their families, making sure families have access to food, to healthy food, um, to banks, to movie theaters, to just things that we want as citizens in, in any other community. I think just as we talk about reinvestment, it, I just wanna make sure that we're not just relying on the juvenile justice system to do this work. We talk about making juvenile justice a public health issue, because it is a public health issue, an educational issue, um, behavioral health issue. So all of those pieces, all of those government entities have to be involved in these conversations, the child welfare system, like these aren't, these are all the same children who are in all of these systems and we silo them like, like you can cut them up in pieces and these are, and, and the families too. So until government entities understand that what we mean about reinvestment, it, it encourages 
just investment period. A lot of these places have no investment, then this can't happen. I think my dream is that the youth justice system like just gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. People ask, is there a model for an ideal youth justice system? And I feel like that model does exist already. It's like the model that exists in wealthy, predominantly white communities, right? Like where most young people never touch the youth justice system. And if they have challenges that they receive, even if they break the law, there's responses outside of the system to address it. So if a young person gets in trouble in school, like they're not going to get arrested, right? They're going to probably see a guidance counselor. If they have a substance abuse issue, they're not going to you know, be put on like probation for having a joint or for selling drugs. They're going to be put into like a substance abuse program, right? And so those, there's already a model for addressing the issues that young people face outside of the system. And so the hope is that when we take the money that's currently used in incarceration and reinvestment into communities, that most of that money will go towards things that will support all young people in their communities, communities that have traditionally been disinvested from and just in where people have been just disenfranchised. And so to create opportunities for young people outside the system, because a lot of young people say to us, they got incarcerated and then they are connected to some sort of community program or an alternative to incarceration. And they say, why did it take me getting locked up to get connected to this opportunity? And one of the things that young people say is that even they're in the system, they want to have opportunities to interact with peers who are not part of the system. And I think that's really important too, so that people do feel like they're integrated into their community and to have programs, even programs that will work with um, court-involved youth or system-involved youth, to have those programs also work with all youth because it's important that those opportunities be available to everybody, but also that young people who are system-involved not be stigmatized or feel like they can't um, be part of their communities. So I think it's really critical that that investment be really used to broaden supports and opportunities more broadly for young people from disenfranchised communities. For me, it's always about family. I want to see a system that is really rooted in healing communities, whatever that shape form looks like, because a, a lot of this is about healing work and how we're and redefining what justice means and less focus on prosecution and courts and systems fixing the issues and letting communities figure this out with the right resources from government. That's the role government could play. So really just ensuring that communities are healthy, that we don't have these food deserts, that we don't have such huge disparate educational opportunities for young people in these communities, that a young black boy knows that he's safe and supported in his community. And if he makes a mistake, that's okay. And his community will be there to support him and help him make better decisions and help us as adults make better decisions for that community. So it really is community focused, it's family focused, and less reliance on, on systems to come and fix the problem because they have proven themselves time and time again that they are the problem. At the root of all this, right, is we haven't come to grips as a country with slavery, with racism, with how we treat brown and black people in this country. So I think there, there has to be more of that at the government level, recognition that this happened in history, recognition that this has followed the trajectory of criminal justice, and then figuring out some reparations for that. Like governments, that's the work that they can do. And then 
some of that work is investing in the communities that have been historically harmed by government and which are often the communities where our young people are coming from. So it's recognition, reparations, and then reinvestment in these places. That was Mishi Faruqi and Carmen Dougherty at Youth First Initiative. Thanks so much for blessing us with your wisdom and your hard work and community to transform the youth justice system and permanently close all youth prisons. Have us reinvest those resources into youth serving opportunities and most importantly, advance the call for reparations in communities. Thanks so much for joining us and for listening to Out of the Margins.